Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. I just want to welcome you back to part two of our series titled uh, Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart. And uh, yes, Thanksgiving is still over a week away, but uh, we're in this series before Thanksgiving because the idea of gratitude and expressing that gratitude by giving thanks is, is really a vitally important idea, uh, especially for those of us who have put our faith in Christ, for those of us who, who say that we follow Jesus. Uh, because the truth is, is simply this, you and I, we have a whole lot to be thankful for. We have so much to be thankful for, especially, as we said, those who follow um, uh, Jesus. In fact, the, the fact that we are alive today is a reason to be thankful. Uh, the fact that you were able to make it to church this morning is another reason to be thankful. The fact, the, the fact that you have food to eat and electricity and a warm bed and transportation, these are all many of the reasons to be thankful. And the fact that there are people who have, who have served our country and are continuing to serve our country to keep us safe, that's another reason to be thankful. Not to mention what God has done to provide for you and to save your soul. I mean, you and I, we have a lot to be thankful about And let me just tell you, to the degree that you and I daily live in that gratitude, to the degree that, that, that you practice thanksgiving to God, to the degree that you have a grateful heart towards God, it tells a lot about who you really are. Your gratitude or your lack of gratitude in your life tells a lot about who you are as a person, and it tells a lot about your relationship with God. In fact, as we talked about last week, your level of gratitude says a lot about who you are and the condition that your heart is in. And it does so in three basic ways. Number one, it says a lot about what I like to call your spiritual temperature, okay? Which is exactly what we talked about last week. We talked about the fact that your gratitude level is a good indication of your spiritual health. Because those who have a vibrant, healthy relationship and a spiritual life with God uh, tend to be people who are grateful towards God. And people who, who don't have a healthy spiritual life tend to be people who aren't grateful. And we talked about that, that the fact that your gratitude level is really a good indicator of three things in your life. Your gratitude level um, highlights three conditions related to your spiritual health um, or your lack of spiritual health. Number one, the first thing your gratitude level indicates is where your heart belongs. Okay, Your gratitude level is a good indication of who your heart actually belongs to. Your, your heart can only belong to one or two people. It's either God or it's either you. All right, there's no in-between. There's no alternative to that. All right, you're either focused, your heart is with yourself or with God. There's no in-between. And people who tend to be grateful tend to have their hearts and minds focused on God. And people who are not so grateful tend to become focused on themselves. Their hearts tend to be fixed on themselves and their own wants and desires and appetites. Number two, your gratitude level shows a lot about your devotional life and what it's like. Your, your gratitude you know, towards God directly correlates to the quality of your devotional life. All right? It's a good indication of your spiritual health. Because people, you know, the, the truth is simply this. The more you spend time with God, the more you spend time in his presence, you know, in, the, in his word and in prayer and in worship, the more grateful you tend to be toward him. The more that he's on your mind, the more that you are typically grateful toward him. Well, on the other hand, when you're not spending regular time with God, it's easy to lose sight of the goodness of God. It's easy to lose sight of what he's done for you. And when that happens, you become less and less mindful of God and you become less and less grateful toward God. And the third thing that your level of gratitude says about your spiritual health is that it speaks to how important the gospel is to you. Because the simple truth is this. You're a broken sinner. Okay? And you're incapable of saving yourself. 
But God had mercy on you and sent his son to die for you so that you can have eternal life. And that is all of the reasons you need to be grateful towards God. Not to mention all the other things that God does for you, you know, in your life in the past and right now. You see, if the gospel is important to you, if your salvation is actually important to you, the natural reaction to that is to be grateful towards God. Because God has taken care of really the biggest and most important problem you're ever going to face. Your eternal destination. But, but if you find that you're not walking in, in gratitude, um, it, that indicates you know, one of two things. Either the gospel really isn't that important to you, or you just simply didn't understand the problem to begin with. You didn't understand the gospel and what God has actually done for you. And so, so the first big idea that we talked about is that gratitude, your gratitude level is, is, an, is, is, is a, it, like a spiritual thermometer that measures your spiritual health. And, and your spiritual health is an indication of these, these three things. And the second big idea, which is what we're going to talk about today, is the idea that your, your level of gratitude that you have towards God in, 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 in your life is a good indicator of your tendency to either stand firm in self-control or to fall headlong into sin. Because those who tend to be grateful toward God tend to find strength in God to resist temptation inside. I mean, temptation and sin. And those who are not so grateful tend to be more prone to be led away by temptation. And we're going to talk about that and how that works this morning. And then the third big idea and that your attitude of gratitude says about you um, and, and your life is really what it says is it tells the world is, is what kind of life is actually inside of you. And what I mean by that is, is people who tend to be grateful tend to be filled with light and they tend to be filled, they tend to be life-giving. People who are grateful tend to be gracious and life-giving, okay? But on the other hand, there are those who are not so grateful. They tend to be dark and, and, and life-consuming. They tend to be negative. They tend to be unforgiving and even demanding. And we're seeing a lot of that on the streets of America over the last few days, there are a lot of ungrateful people out there. There are people out there with just full-blown hate-filled vulgar tantrums, okay? You might, you might say that, well, well they're upset, you know, and, and they're brokenhearted about how things turned out. And, and they sure are. But, but you can be upset and you can be brokenhearted and still be, be life-giving and grateful at the same time. You can even protest and still walk in gratitude towards God. Dr. Martin Luther King was a fine example of of that there there's a way to speak your mind while at the same time remain life giving and like what we're seeing on the streets today people who walk in gratitude towards god tend to be life-giving people who are ungrateful tend to be life-consuming and demanding and we're seeing that as we speak and so we're going to talk more about that next week but suffice it to say your level of gratitude that you maintain towards god uh, the level of gratitude in your heart towards God is a pretty accurate predictor of the quality of your spiritual life. And it's a good qual- uh, predictor of your ability to resist temptation. And it certainly speaks to your ability to bring life into your family and your relationships and the people around you. So today what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the second big idea, which is the idea that your gratitude level is a good indicator of your ability to resist or fall into temptation, which is why I actually named this particular message, Guard Your Heart with Gratitude, because you can literally guard your heart from temptation and sin by being grateful to God. And you might be thinking, well, how in the world does that work? 
right? That seems overly simplistic. How does being grateful protect my heart from sin? How does being thankful towards God and expressing, you know, that and walking in that help me to overcome temptation? And, and those are actually really good questions. And we're going to, we're going to answer those questions. And, and, and the way that we begin to answer that question is, first of all, we need to first begin to understand what gratitude actually is. You see, I think that with, when it comes to words like gratitude, we kind of have a sense of what it means. We kind of have a sense of what it is. I mean, we might not be able to define it, but we kind of know it when we see it. But, but really, we don't have a way to completely define it for most of us. I mean, what is gratitude at its basic level? If you were to draw it out for someone and you were to explain it to someone, how would you explain it? And some people would say, well, yes, it's, it's thankfulness. And you're right. That is part of the definition. But thankfulness is only a part. There is so much more to the idea of gratitude than I think many of us realize. And so what we need to do is we need to start right there with our understanding of what gratitude actually is at its very, very basic level. And so gratitude, the word is defined in the dictionary as the quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation for kindness and to return kindness. Okay. And synonyms include gratefulness, thankfulness, thanks, appreciation, indebtedness because you're in someone's debt for what they've done for you, recognition, acknowledgement, or credit. Gratitude is this quality of thankfulness. It is, it is to give thanks. It is to acknowledge that something has been done for you. Or it's to give credit to someone for something that was done. Now think about this. <clears throat> what is it that actually has to happen? What is it that has to happen for the state of gratitude to actually exist? What must take place at the foundational level for there to actually be gratitude? And consider this. Well, what needs to happen? Because gratitude doesn't actually simply exist on its own. Gratitude doesn't happen by itself. You have to understand that. Gratitude is not a default position in our hearts. People are not grateful just for no reason. People don't wake up in the morning, you know, grateful because their body chemistry is set the right way. Okay? Gratitude is something more than that. Gratitude has to be a response to something. And that's really important for us to understand. Okay? It's not a default state of mind. Gratitude is a response to something. In fact, let's look at the definition. Gratitude is a quality of being thankful and is the readiness to show appreciation for, for something. Notice what it says. It's the readiness to show appreciation for something really important. It's the readiness to show appreciation for kindness. Okay. Notice this. Gratitude is a response. Gratitude is a response to kindness. Gratitude is the quality of being thankful for kindness. It's the readiness to show appreciation for kindness. It's the acknowledgement of kindness. It's giving credit to someone for a kindness that was given. You see that? You have to understand this. This is vitally important for us to wrap our head around here. Gratitude is a response to kindness that is shown or given. Gratitude is a response to the kindness that someone shows you or gives you. That is exactly what gratitude is. I am grateful to my wife for supporting me as a pastor. Her support... To me is a great kindness to me. She doesn't have to give me that support, but she does. It is a kindness and I'm grateful to that. You know, grateful for that. I'm grateful for the service of of our veterans. Okay, They're they're, they're doing a job, but it's a great kindness to me. I live in a free country because of their service. Okay, it's, It's a kindness to me and I'm grateful for that kindness. I'm grateful to God that I woke up this morning. I'm grateful to God that my family are alive and healthy. I'm grateful to God my back doesn't hurt this morning. Okay? I mean, these are all things that don't have to be this way. 
Okay, God doesn't have to allow it to be that way, but he has allowed it to be that way. And so it's a great kindness to me. He, God is very good and kind to me. So I respond to that kindness with gratitude. Gratitude is a, is a response to kindness given. Now, in contrast to that, ingratitude, ungratefulness is a lack of is a lack of a response to a kindness given. It's ignoring a kindness given. It's forgetting somehow that someone has shown kindness to you. It's snubbing of kindness. It's a refusal to give credit. It's a refusal to acknowledge or remember when someone has been good to you. It's a quality of being unthankful right? and ungrateful for a kindness that has been shown to you. And, and what we, we all actually kind of know what that's like, right? I mean, we all have people in our lives that we have shown kindness to. And some of us have shown great kindness to some of these people only to have them ignore our kindness, right? And we even know people who will snub our kindness. And, and even there are some people that just expect, they just expect for us to go out of our way to do something for them. Just as an expectation. And even there are some people that are demanding and even claiming what we've, what we've done isn't even enough. Right? We all know people like that. We all have been around ungrateful people. In fact, I've had an interaction last night with somebody on Facebook that was complete. They just were just completely ungrateful. And I just, it just blows me away. We all know people like this. We know what that's like. And so fundamentally, what we need to understand about gratitude or ingratitude is there's, there's, there's two constituent parts. Okay. There is the kindness, number one, there's the kindness shown or given, okay? You or God does something kind for somebody else. And then there's number two is the response to that kindness, be it thankfulness or be it unthankfulness. That's it. That's what you have when you have either you have a kindness that's been given or shown, all right? And then you have a response to that kindness one way or the other. That's the two parts of gratitude. And you might be thinking, well, what does that have to do with protecting my heart from sin? What does that have to do with me falling from sin? Well, uh, I, what I have to say to you is it actually has everything to do with that. And, and I'm not overstating this because your gratitude or ingratitude has everything to do with the power that temptation and sin have in your life. You see, the early church father Ignatius of Antioch, he believed that ingratitude, that, that it was actually the cause and the beginning and the origin of all evils and sin. He believed the original sin committed by Adam and Eve was not rebellion. It was not pride. It was not disobedience. It was not greed. He believed it was ingratitude. He believed that the first sin that man committed was a lack of gratitude towards God for what he had done. In fact, let's just take a look at uh, Genesis chapter 3 and let's see if he's right. Genesis chapter 3, it's the beginning of the Bible. And we're going to begin in verse 1. And before, let me jump into this story here. Before we get here, let me just kind of set this up. God, at this point, has created a perfect world, right? With all the animals in it. He's created Adam, the first human being. He put Adam in this perfect paradise garden, right? Where he wants for nothing. He has everything that he needs. And on top of that, Adam is free to do what he wants to do, eat what he wants to eat, go where he wants to go inside this huge garden. And, and God, realizing he needs a companion, provides him one. He gave Adam his wife, right? And she was perfect. She was perfect for him. She was perfect genetically. She was perfect physically. She was perfect intellectually, right? They were perfect for each other. Adam and Eve were living in paradise. There was no pain. There was no death. There was no regrets. There was no shame, right? And, and on top of that, if that wasn't enough, on top of that, they live in a place where they have a close, personal fellowship with God, right? They get to actually be in God's presence. They were very close to the creator, right? And the only thing, the 
only thing he denies them is to eat of the fruit of one tree. Okay? Of all the trees in the garden, they could eat from all of them except one tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's the only rule they actually had. There was no other rules. You understand that? There was nothing else. He didn't say you shouldn't do this. And he just said, don't eat from that one tree. That's the only restriction in their life. Okay? And they could do what they wanted to do. They can go where they wanted to go. They could eat what they wanted to eat. Right? Their lives were blessed. They lived in paradise. And God was amazingly good to Adam and Eve. All right? He's shown them incredible, incredible kindness. But then in chapter 3, verse 1, we read, Now the serpent was more crafty than the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the trees, tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was a delight for the eyes and, and that the tree had been, was, was to be desired to make one wise, she took it, took of it, its fruit and ate. And she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard a sound, the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. Remember, he's actually able to be there with him. He's walking with him. Okay? In the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves you know, from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. But the Lord uh, God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I command you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to me with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this have you done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now, there's a couple things to understand here. God, from the very beginning, was good to Adam and Eve. Okay. He, he showed them abundant kindness. He created them. He put them in a perfect environment. He gave them the gift of love. He gave them the gift of fellowship and, and, and companionship. He gave them everything. Okay. They owe him everything because, because without God, they actually have nothing. They wouldn't even exist without God's kindness. His kindness towards Adam and Eve is incalculable. Okay. You cannot even quantify it. God is incredibly kind to this couple, but despite his kindness, despite his kindness, the serpent or the devil is able to tempt Eve. Now, now think about this. This is one of those things where you read the story, you kind of go through it, but, but stop and think about this. I want you to see, let this sink in for everything that God has done for her in Adam. The enemy was able to tempt Eve and then tempt Adam through her. Why? Right? Why was she so easily lured away? Why was she tempted in light of what God has done? 
I, I, I mean, she knew God personally, right? She walked with God. How is it the devil can entice her to rebel against the only rule that God had given her? What could possibly be the catalyst for a monumentally stupid and destructive decision? Because this is the granddaddy of all stupid decisions, right? Every stupid decision that's ever happened after that is because of this stupid decision, right? How could the devil entice her to rebel against God, Well, it's actually really simple. It's ingratitude. It's ingratitude. Ingratitude is the catalyst here because think about this. If in that moment when the serpent came to Eve, if in that moment she was consciously and regularly grateful to God for what he was done, and she was purposefully mindful of the goodness of God in her life, would she have fallen? I mean, think about this. Because what is gratitude? Gratitude is really being mindful of the kindness someone has shown you. Someone shows you kindness. You're mindful of that kindness, right? And then, and then you react by feeling gratitude and then you express that gratitude. That's what gratitude is. It, at its heart, it's mindful, being mindful of the kindness that someone else shows to you. Now, let me ask you. Okay, if Eve were mindful of what God had done, if, if God's goodness and kindness were on her mind... You know, and she was thinking, wow, God has taken such good care of me. And, and it was something that she was aware of and she thought about regularly. And she was grateful to God in her heart. How might this conversation have actually been different? Well, I think that the conversation probably would have went something like this. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman... Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said, well, no, actually, we can eat of all the fruit of all the trees in the garden, except one tree, right? And it's the only tree because, you know, that he said not to eat of it. And he said not to eat of it because we'll die, so we don't eat of it, right? But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And she said to him, that's okay, <laughs> Because God's already been, he's already given me more than I need, right? He's been good to me. He's given me, you know, every other tree in the garden to eat from. Why do I need to eat from that one, right? I mean, God, God said, don't do it. So I'm not going to do it, right? I mean, he's taken such good care of me. He's given me my life. He's given me a wonderful husband. He's given me a wonderful garden to live in. He's, he's, he's taken, you know, everything I've ever wanted and given it to me, right? And, and anytime I need to talk to God, he's right there. God, I get to talk to God anytime I want to. I mean, God has done so much for me. Who am I to complain about this one rule? God doesn't want me to know the difference between good and evil. Fine. I'm just grateful that he created me. I'm just grateful that for everything he's done for me. I'm just so grateful. I just trust in him. If Eve had actually been conscious of the kindness that God had given her, if she would have thought about it and kept it on her mind and been grateful for it, I actually think things would have been different because how do you rebel? How do you rebel against someone who's good to you? How do you turn your back on someone who's been kind to you? How do you step on someone who loves you so much? It's ingratitude. I remember when I was 18 years old, I was a young adult living on my own. And, uh, by the way, I was smarter than everybody else. Right? You know what I mean? I mean, you all know what that's like, right? And, uh, and, and I was doing what I wanted to do, living my life the way I wanted to live it. And nobody could tell me any different. Right. And, and I was pretty, pretty self-absorbed. And I remember going home to visit my folks, uh, one day and 
It was just, you know, kind of hanging out. And I was trying to talk to my mom, you know, but, you know, and my mom, she was still loving to me, but she was kind of cold. You know what I mean? She really wasn't talking to me. She was giving me kind of really short one word answers. You know how moms do that when like, you know, they give me that silent treatment. I could tell my mom's give me the silent treatment. I don't know what's going on here. And so I go to my dad and I go like, man, mom's in a mood. And my dad's like, you just have no idea, do you? I'm like, well, what are you talking about? He's like, um, man, you've been so self-absorbed and arrogant and inconsiderate. You don't even have any idea how bad you've hurt your mom's feelings. I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, you've done, your mom's done so much for you and you just continue to shine it on. Right. And, and, and she's been over backwards to help you and to take care of you. Even when you've moved out, she's there to like, make sure that you have what you need. She's doing everything she can, you know, to, to help you. And you're just a big jerk. You know, you've been so inconsiderate to, to, to your mom, you know, all you think about is yourself. And I thought about it like, wow, <laughs> he's right. I've been a real big jerk and I've actually hurt my mom's feeling in the process. Now understand, I wasn't trying to hurt my mom's feelings, right? I mean, I love my mom. Uh, you know, I, she was important to me and, and she, she did a lot for me. So how could I possibly, you know, intentionally hurt her, right? How could I step on her feelings so recklessly? Ingratitude. It's really what it was. I was just completely ungrateful. I just wasn't grateful. wasn't even thinking about all that my mom was, had done for me. I was ungrateful towards my mom. She'd show me kindness, and I would just act like it was expected. And she would do things for me, and I, would, I was just un, completely ungrateful towards her. And, that, and in my ingratitude, I hurt her. Right? I was just an ingrate. Right? And, and so was Eve. It wasn't like she was intentionally trying to like, you know, rebel against God. She just was ungrateful. Ungrateful towards God. She didn't acknowledge the kindness that God had shown her. She didn't give credit to God. She wasn't thankful. Right? Instead, she was actually covetous. You know what I mean? She, she began to buy into the idea that God was holding out on her. That he wasn't doing enough for her. Right? She, you know, she could not see what God was doing for her. All she could now see was what God wasn't doing for her. And she began to think, yeah, that's right. God's holding out on me. He's not telling me the truth, right? He's, he's keeping me down. He's holding me back. He's not letting me be happy. He doesn't care about me. And he thinks I'm stupid. Never mind everything he's done for me or given to me. It was, it was ingratitude. Ingratitude blinds us to God's goodness. And we become blind to God's goodness. When that happens, we become very selfish and self-absorbed and greedy. And our hearts drift away from God toward ourselves. We talked about that last week. Now, Eve, she wasn't the only one that was ungrateful here. So was Adam. In fact, look what he says. He says, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Notice what he's saying here. He says, the woman you gave me. I didn't ask for her, right? You just gave her to me, right? I didn't even want her, right? But you just gave her to me. And you gave her to me and look what the mess she's made, right? Look, look, look at the, the trouble I'm in because of her, right? Right? Never mind I was lonely. <laughs> Never mind that, that, that there's desires that she, she fulfills, right? Never mind she's been a big help to me, right? Never mind that she's perfect for me, right? It's your fault, God, right? For giving that woman to me, right? So that ingratitude just abounds. You see, it's ingratitude that's the catalyst for the fall. Adam and Eve were not grateful to God for the kindness that he'd shown them. They were not mindful of the abundant goodness God gave to them. 
their hearts and minds turned away from God and began to settle where hearts and minds always settle when they go away from God. They settled on self. They became self-absorbed and selfish. It's ingratitude. Ingratitude quite possibly is the root of temptation and sin. You see, when you're not grateful, it's because your eyes and your heart are not on what God has done for you. You, you are mindful of, your, of, his, of his kindness when you're grateful. And when your eyes are focused on God, when, when you become grateful to God and you're focusing your mind on God and what he's done for you, you're focused on him, the author of all goodness, right? right when, you're, when you actually are grateful, your mind and heart is focused on the one to be grateful toward. Remember, it says every good and perfect gift comes from God, right? Remember, every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights. You are mindful of his goodness. You are mindful of him. And if you're mindful of him, then you're more likely to not spurn God's kindness. In fact, the apostle Paul encourages us in in the book of Romans. He says, God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance, See, God's goodness towards you, his kindness towards you is meant to lead you not towards sin, but away from sin. His kindness is meant to lead you and your heart toward him and away from your sin. When you're mindful and grateful of what God does for you, you are more likely to lean towards him and towards repentance. But when you forget about God's goodness and you walk in in gratitude you are more likely to fall into temptation and sin. In fact, there's a textbook example of this in Numbers chapter 14. Now, this is the point in history where God sent Moses to rescue the Israelites from slavery out of Egypt. And God uses incredible miracles to do so, to cause Pharaoh of Egypt to let the Israelites go. And we're talking about like crazy, incredible miracles, like turning the entire Nile River into blood. All right, I mean, it's, that's a pretty big deal, right? Or, or, or hailstones from heaven that, that are hail and then they catch on fire when they hit the ground, all right? Or how about, you know, every firstborn in Egypt that wasn't protected by the blood of the lamb, you know, died, all right? We're talking about big miracles. And if that's not enough, when the Israelites were leaving, they got trapped between, between the Red Sea and, and, and the, the army of Pharaoh. God opened the Red Sea for them to cross on dry ground to, to save them. He does incredible, visible miracles to save these people, Okay. God is with them and he can, and they can see that he's with them. And then God leads them personally in a pillar of cloud during the day and then a pillar of fire by night. And God provides all their needs. He provides them for, with the water to drink out of the rocks. Every day they wake up and there's food on the ground, you know, called manna for them to pick up. God meets all their physical needs in a miraculous way, right? And, and then more than that, then God meets with Moses on Mount Sinai. And they were actually invited up. And they're like, no, 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 we ain't going to go up there. We, we see what that's like. You go talk to him, Moses, okay? They see that, that God is up there with Moses, right? And he gives the Israelites the law. And God is with them at every turn. He cares for them. He protects them. He leads them personally all the way to the edge of the promised land everything he's ever promised him is about to come true right and he tells them to go in the land take it over it's a land flowing with milk and honey i'll be with you it's your prize for following me it's just there for the taking all you need to do is cross that jordan river and take it god is with them but then the people encourage moses to you know have some spies go in and and just check things out and they go in there and, and, and they, they look and two guys come back, Caleb and Joshua. They're like, man, this, this place is wonderful. It's, you know, it's, it's fruitful and it's, it's, it's an amazing you know, ground and we can take it. God is with us, right? I mean, I mean, and then there were the other 10. 
that were with him. And they're like, um, no, no, we can't do that. Yeah, that's, that's way too dangerous. Those people are crazy. The land devours people. Those people are giants. We're just like grasshoppers to them. And, 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 and these people are going to kill us all. It's so big and scary. And, and so the Israelites get all worked up at what these other 10 says. And in fact, in chapter 14, verse 1, it says, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we died in the land of Egypt, or if only we died in the wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? And so they said to one another, let's select another leader and return to Egypt. When, when Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel, but Joshua, the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and they spoke to all the congregation um, of the children of Israel saying, the land, <clears throat> the land we passed through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before the children of Israel. Which means now everybody's in trouble. Okay? You know how like kids are arguing back and forth, you know? And they're trying to keep it down. Finally, it gets a little too loud. And all of a sudden, you hear dad's voice. You know what I mean? Everybody's in trouble. God's like, you're going to rebel against me? Right? They're going to refuse to go in the promised land that I have prepared for them. They're going to rebel against me, the one who has completely taken care of them at every step. How is that even possible? How is it possible for these people to turn their back on God? Ingratitude. Ingratitude. These people were not focused on what God has done for them. They're not focused on his goodness. They were not focused on God's kindness. I mean, you know, listen to what they were saying. It would be better for us if we died in Egypt, take us back to Egypt, let us die there. Forget the fact that God rescued you from slavery. Forget the fact that, that he's been visibly with us. Forget the fact that God is meeting every one of our needs on time. Forget about the fact that God has helped us to overcome every obstacle in our path. Let us turn around and go back. These people were walking in overwhelming ingratitude. And the result of that ingratitude is they didn't trust in God's goodness. That right there is a side effect of ingratitude. Is, 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 is it breeds a lack of trust in God. Ingratitude leads to a lack of trust in God. And because of that, they began to sin against God by rebelling against him. Ingratitude led to their rebellion. Because I promise you, if these people had been continually mindful of how God was taking care of them. And they were mindful of God's kindness toward them. right? And they woke up every day praising the Lord for the goodness that he had given them. And thanking them every day. I don't believe they would have rebelled. I think they would have echoed what Joshua and Caleb said. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. That's what they would have said. If they would have been focused on how good God was to them, they would not have had cause to fear. 
And they would not have rebelled. Ingratitude is so destructive because it blinds us to God's goodness and his power. It causes us to doubt his love. It causes us to doubt his promises. Ingratitude leads and it leads to sin. It did for Adam and Eve. And it did for the Israelites. And it cost them all big. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. And this generation of Israelites were prevented from entering into the promised land. Ingratitude was the root cause of sin of Israel. And it had devastating consequences in their lives. These people simply failed to acknowledge in their lives the kindness of God. And they failed to give credit to God for what he had done for them. They failed to remember God's kindness. That's why God says, remember, remember, remember. Right? And that failure led to them to focus on their own hearts and their own lives and their own agendas and their own fears rather than on what God was doing for them and his goodness and his plan for them. And it cost them. It cost them everything. And gratitude is the root of sin. It was then and it still is now. Because think about this. If you walk in gratitude, deep gratitude towards God, and you're mindful of his kindness every day, and you're moved by that kindness to be thankful and worship God, do you just simply allow yourself to fall into an adulterous relationship? Do you allow yourself to to take something that doesn't belong to you? If you're sincerely in awe of what God has done for you because of kindness that he's given to you, do you make yourself feel better by tearing somebody else down? Do you need to be hateful towards other people? Do you need to spend money on things in order to fill an empty hole in your heart if you're sincerely walking in deep gratitude towards God? If you are mindful of the kindness that God has towards you and you're moved to a deep gratitude in your heart, are you more likely or less likely to be obedient to God? I think we know the answer to that. Gratitude leads toward obedience. That's the raw truth. Over and over and over again in the Bible, we're exhorted to be grateful towards God. We're commanded to avoid ingratitude. In fact, ingratitude, you know, ungratefulness is identified as a part of, of being evil and unbelieving. Paul says in Romans one twenty one, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. And... and Futile and dark. I skipped ahead there. Hang on a second. So although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. That sounds about right, doesn't it? Ingratitude has a blinding effect to it. Our gratitude, our gratefulness towards God moves our thinking towards God. Ingratitude contrastly takes our thinking away from God and towards ourselves. Our thinking becomes futile and dark because we become more and more self-absorbed. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of what? Lovers of self. Lovers of self and lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Sounds like a, a lot of people that we've been seeing lately. 
Ingratitude is so dangerous because it darkens our hearts and our minds. It takes our focus off of God and puts our focus on us. It tends to puff us up. It tends to make us demanding and conceited and, and self-centered. Ingratitude leads inexorably to sin. It's like, it's like the sin of David and Bathsheba. I mean, you guys know this story, right? King David, right? He was, he was the promised king. He, you know, he, he kills Goliath. And then, then he wins a lot of huge battles and, and he builds and he unites the, you know, the, the entire country of Israel. And he basically puts down most of his enemies. God has been good to him, right? And he's, he's been called a, God, a man after God's own heart, right? But then what happens? He lets his guard down. Because one day he decides, I'm going to stay home. <laughs> I'm going to let the, I need a vacation, right? I'm going to let the, the troops go into battle. And this is where he gets in trouble. In, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we read, Beginning in verse 2, it says, it happened. <laughs> That's just a really ominous you know, way to start that, right? It happened late one afternoon when David arose when his, uh, from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house. And he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was, beautiful, was very beautiful. And David said, sent and inquired about the woman and said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the, father, I mean, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now, think about this. Knowing David, right, a man who's walked with God, if David had been keeping his heart and mind focused on God, right, by reminding himself how good God was to him, does he do this? Does he take another man's wife? And not just another man. We're talking about... A man who was fighting for him, right? A man he should be grateful toward, right? Does he take another man's wife and sleep with her? If he's walking in gratitude towards God, does he do this? If he's like, thank you, Lord, for how good you've been to me. Thank you for the way you protected me and provided for me. You know, if he's walking in that gratitude, does, 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 he, does he do something like this? And then does he then turn around and then kill her husband? To keep that affair a secret? I would say no. Because the David we know, when he was actually focused on God, he was a man who did what was right. But this same David, when he was not focused on God, he was capable of unspeakable things. And let me just tell you, it's the same with all of us. We are capable of egregious sins. All of us. We're all capable of addictions and dishonesty and lust and envy and gossip and pride and, and hatefulness and, un, and, and, and unforgiveness. We are all capable of that because we are all broken sinners, right? In fact, that's why we were condemned to hell in the first place, okay? On our own, right? We, by our sin, were, were hell-bound, but, but God then made a way for us to be saved. God was was kind to us. And friends, when we're mindful of that kindness, and we're generally heartfelt, when we're walking that gratefulness towards God and what he's done for us, when we are mindful of how good God is, we tend to be obedient. But when we're not mindful of these things, we tend to be inwardly focused. And we are prone then to follow our own appetites into sin. It's really simple. 
The only difference in the two states is where in your, where your heart and your minds are. When you are grateful, our hearts and minds are with God. When we are ungrateful, our hearts and minds are on us. That is the simple, basic truth. The level of gratitude in your heart is an indicator of your likelihood to fall into sin or to be able to fight off sin. When you are grateful, your mind is on God. When, and you are able to fight sin off. When you are ungrateful, your mind is on you and you have the tendency to fall. It's a real simple formula. You are either grateful or you are not you either have the strength to fight off sin or you don't. Hear me on this. Either you are grateful towards God or you are not grateful towards God. So if you want victory over sin in your life, you must find a way to keep your heart on God and walk in gratitude. Now, let me tell you why this is difficult. Because gratitude doesn't exist by itself. You don't become grateful to God, right, for what he's done. And you take your heart and you set that thing on that setting like a thermostat and you just leave it there and then it stays that way. It doesn't work that way. Okay, The truth is the natural order of everything in this world since sin entered this world is everything goes from order to chaos. Everything is breaking down. Your car breaks down, your appliances break down, houses break down, systems break down, bodies break. Everything breaks down. And it's the same with gratitude. You must maintain that gratitude. So how do you do that? How do you, I mean, I mean how do you maintain a, that gratitude? Because gratitude left by itself, left alone, turns into ingratitude. A heart, a heart that is grateful, left alone, and not maintained will become an ungrateful heart. How do we maintain a grateful heart towards God? How do we stay focused on him and have strength to fight that temptation off? Well, that's exactly what this series is about. Is about becoming grateful towards God and then finding a way to stay that way. And last week we talked about, you know, a couple of ways to grow in that gratitude. In fact, I encourage you to do two things. Okay. Well, first one was to identify an area where you could grow, you know, in your spiritual health, you know, which was about your devotional life, right? Or was about, you know, your, how important the gospel is to you. Right? And I asked you to like to pick one of those areas and then pray that God would help you to grow in that. And then the second thing I encourage you to do is actually to start a brand new daily habit, which is to think about something to be grateful for. And then take the time to write it down and then get alone with God and actually thank him for that. You know, to be mindful, to be, build you know, a regular habit of being mindful towards God. It's called Project Gratitude. Now this week, I, what I want you to do is I want you to adopt a phrase to use when you find yourself in a place where you need to make a choice or you, where you need to make a decision or, you know, you're like, should I go this way or that way? Especially when you're a place to be tempted to do something you shouldn't do. And that phrase is this in light of all that God's done for me, how can I honor him? In light of all that God has done for me, how can I honor him? So when you're like driving on the 14 freeway and somebody cuts you off, in light of what God has done for me, how do I honor him? When you're at work and your boss isn't looking, in light of all that God has done for me, how can I honor him? Right? When you're frustrated with that telemarketer on the phone who won't leave you alone, in light of all that God has done for me, how can I honor him? In fact, let's all say this together. All right? In light of all that God has done for me, how can I honor him? Let's do that one more time. In light of all that God has done for me, how can I honor him? Let me pray for you.
Lord, gratitude is the mechanism that you help us to keep our minds focused on you. Your kindness is meant to lead us to repentance because your kindness reminds us of who you are. And it reminds us of our place. That we are just this microscopic, minuscule being that exists in this universe that is 92 billion light years across. Though you still know my name and you personally know everything you used to know about me. And I mean, insignificant, you could make me disappear and no one could ever even know the difference. But Lord, you saw fit to give me life and you saw fit to save me. That, that by itself should cause me to spend the rest of my life just shouting from the rooftop, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You've been so good to me. And I pray that all of our hearts would be moved to that gratitude, that we would walk in that gratitude. Even if we're angry with the rest of the world, we have so much to be grateful for. And that gratitude can shape and temper the way we treat other people. Because ultimately, it's not about me, it's about you. My existence isn't about me, it's about bringing glory to you. You sought to glorify yourself by saving the likes of us. And so I pray that we will all, every one of us, walk in that. That every one of us would would gravitate towards that. That we would understand that when we are close to you and our minds are fixed on you and we are grateful to you, Lord, we're inclined to lean on you. But when we're not, we tend to feel entitled and we tend to feel deserving and we tend to feel arrogant and we lean away from you. Draw all our hearts to you today, Lord. Draw our minds to you, Lord. Help us to be a grateful people. Help us to walk in gratitude every single day. And we express that gratitude to the rest of the world. We love you and we praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray. for listening. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. And please consider partnering with us financially as we share the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ with our community and with the world.